do you feel like we could just we could just wing it and I think so. Let's just go. We need like flow. a flow. Yeah. All right. I can. I can. Oh, true. Five oh yes. <laughs> wow! Well, oh no! <laughs> oh, <Ivy. laughs> you good? You a good girl? No pets. Well, well done. <laughs> Hello and welcome uh, to Sora of Digital. It is amazing to have you here on a Saturday. Uh, if you are tuning in on Facebook Live or on YouTube Live, hello. Uh, everywhere else, also hello. Um, but if it's live for you, chuck some stuff in the comments. Uh, say hello. Uh, let everyone know how you're going. Um, and um, actually... I was going to continue, but what I'll do instead is I'll introduce uh, my guest this evening. I've got Gemma here, um, who's joining me. Hello, Gemma. Hello, how are you going? I'm doing well. And I've got Brayden and our good friend Ivy. Hey. Well, Hello. She's coming for you. <laughs> she's coming for coming me. Coming for you. Hello, Ivy. Yeah. She's not wanting to look at anyone. <laughs> um, it is excellent to have you both on the panel, uh, all, all three of you, um, joining us. Uh, we thought we'd start by doing something a little bit differently here at Solar Church. Uh, we thought we'd do a little interview. Uh, it's really important. Uh, Ivy's excited because that's what's about to happen. You're about to get an interview, Ivy. <laughs> Ivy, I have a few questions for you. Ivy, look at me. Stop looking at... No, <laughs> look at me. Yeah, there we go. Ivy. <laughs> do you... Do you have any... Uh, what are you up to during COVID, Ivy? What's, what's been your... No? Nothing? No. Not listening. Not listening. Hello. Hello. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about what about Ivy? Do you have any do you have any uh, recommendations for treats? We're, we're, a lot of us are having. Are you having snacks in COVID? Is that oh, happening a lot more? Snacks. So I'm having all more snacks, snacks than I've ever had in my life. <laughs> um, Ivy, are you having any dog snacks that you particularly recommend? No. no. Nap time. Nap time. That's <laughs> I. I agree with that sentiment. Um, very cool. All right. So it's good to have everyone here on the panel. Um, I could ask you guys the same thing, actually. Um, Gemma, what, what has been your favorite snack thus far? Oh, I don't know. I feel like I've actually been making lunches more than snacks. Like I'll just like go hard at lunchtime. Wow. Um, and I, sorry, I've got my mask. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been making, so we have an air fryer and I Ooh. will get a piece of sourdough Investment. bread and I'll just like stack on some goodies Sometimes it's like a bit of ham and cheese and like a tomato combo or like pesto chicken. Like I can do all kinds of things. Chuck into the air fryer, chef kiss. So good. Amazing. So that's my, my snack awesome. slash lunch that I just have been doing all the time. <laughs> would recommend an air fryer. I assume well, you would agree. Well, let's see if I can one handed. one handed. Oh, <laughs> <The> wizard. <laughs> um, my go-to like snack at the moment, I would say like, Chocolate covered scotch fingers Ooh. are like always my vibe when it comes to Ooh, yours too. <laughs> when it comes to biscuit, big biscuit option. She's a sad, she can't have chocolate. Um, but I have been, I've been partaking in some, in some bread making and some baking, sending Excellent. my, my finds to Jabish Abraham and mm -hmm. he's been sending me some of his. I've done a few focaccias, some bagels. Oh, you're missing out. Yeah, so. Fun, bit of COVID, COVID bait, COVID Joy, life. That's, that's the dream. Um, so my next question for you, but I can leave this on. My next question for you both was, 
Um, <laughs> Actually, no, I'm not even going to ask questions. It's harder to put back this. on with one hand. Oh. <laughs> um, something that happened, I think, this week. Uh, I don't know when this edition was. Uh, August 2021 edition of the Southern Cross uh, has made Soar Revival Church a little bit famous. Wild. It's a little bit exciting. Um, <laughs> the, the, the measure of our fame mm. is a little article in the Southern Cross. If you want to check it out, please do. Is it in the newsletter? It's in the newsletter. Um, thank you, Tech Jai, uh, appreciating it. Um, it, is, it is under the... Gemma, are you okay? <laughs> She's just like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, we're, we're under an article called A Quick Change of Plans, mm. uh, which kind of this has felt like that a little bit. Oh, um, we I needed a big quick change of plans and we've done stuff. So read that. It's in the newsletter. Um, Gemma, you, you don't know this, but you're actually featured on the front. Oh, well, not it. in the front, but on the, <laughs> at the header. How wild. Look at that. Oh, look at that. It's Cassie and I in our pink attire, if you remember. Yeah. The, yeah. Weekend, I think. Those are the days. Mm. Throwback to Jonah. Yeah, yeah. Jonah. at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, very cool. Speaking of, uh, no, we're not going to go Bible reading first. We're going to go um, and talk to God uh, instead. Uh, so, what we're going to do now is uh, we're going to um, hear Hayden uh, pray for us. Hello, everyone. It's a blessing that we can still come together and pray to our Lord. So won't you join me now and pray. Great God and Heavenly Father, you've directed us to set aside a day every week to rest and to worship you and to gather together as your people. But at present, most of us are confined to our homes seven days a week. So we take time out of the monotony now to collectively direct our focus on you via screens, on our phones and our computers. We give you thanks for all the good things you have given us and we acknowledge your ultimate power and authority. The human race, your creation, has been brought to its knees by a destructive microbe which spreads from person to person on the breeze. We fill our heads with notions of invincibility and grandeur. We launch rockets into space and ponce around in zero gravity and designer flying suits, but we can't protect ourselves from a microscopic bug. We filled ourselves with thoughts that we can conjure a vaccine that will put everything right, flick a switch and life goes back to normal. Well, the Delta strain has revealed those thoughts to be folly. We acknowledge that you are the supreme power. You are the source of all creation. You have authority over everything in our world. And we implore you, dear Lord, to bring us relief. Subdue this bug that has brought your people to our knees. We pray that you would have mercy on your people here in the Shire, around Australia, and across all the earth. We uphold to you the suffering of all peoples across the earth. We pray for mercy for those who are suffering terrible illness, for those who will die. Five people died in Sydney on Thursday, and it's jarring to learn the stories of each of them and the families and friends left devastated. 
But that's nothing, Lord. 4.3 million people have died from COVID across the world. What a shocking waste, Lord. What appalling suffering. We ask you for mercy. Not just that, Lord. Our way of life and our economic structures have been dislocated, probably permanently impaired. Many occupations have been undermined. Stopped for how long? A few months? Several years? Who knows? We pray for the vast number of people who have lost jobs, lost businesses, lost the capacity to provide for themselves and for the families who rely on them. We pray that you will teach us as individuals and communities to be generous and caring for those who have left less, even while we are fearful and anxious for our own plight. Prompt us to look around for those who have a greater need. Push us not to be lazy and wait for others to ask for help. We pray for our political leaders and health authorities. We pray that they will continue to strive to make wise decisions for the good of our communities. We give thanks that we have good leaders in this country. Some countries have just given up. Let it rip is not a, health, a public health strategy. It's a surrender to futility. And we continue to respond with lockdowns, with masks and vaccine rollout. And we pray that as a community, we will respect our leaders and have the courage to follow these unusual rules, to deny ourselves for the good of each of us and our community. We pray for teachers and students in our schools constantly challenged by changing working conditions, learning from bedrooms, kitchen benches, preparing online lessons, and returning to school, perhaps to new routines of testing with worries of exposure to the virus. We pray for safety, for courage and for resilience. We pray for year 12 students preparing for exams and completing major, major works give them hope and in the depths of our worries we give you thanks we are still very fortunate to live in a country where we have only a small incidence of disease where public infrastructure still functions effectively especially our health systems where people can still work with financial assistance for the many who are affected where we can know that you are a faithful God who will not disown your people, who still calls us all to be with you and who will restore us to a perfect place at the just time. We give you thanks that we can call you Father and know that whatever comes, we are your children. We pray these things in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. Hello, Ari. <laughs> Hi, we're back. <laughs> With uh, Ivy and Lionel having their first interaction. Hello. <laughs> Lionel, what do you think of <laughs> Ivy? 
She's cute. Yes, she is very cute. Do you guys know what you have in common? We're both furry. That's right. And you both also. And we can both do this. Oh, yes, that's right. You can both do that. Um, So, Lionel, what have you been up to this week? We haven't had a chat since last week. What's been happening? Well, Gemma, I haven't chatted to you for a while. Well, yes. This week, something bad happened. Something bad? Bad. Really bad? Bad. How bad? Bad. That bad? Bad. (laughs) What happened, Lionel? Tell us. Bad thing. A bad thing, but you have to give us more information. Everyone wants to know what this bad thing is now. It was bad. (laughs) (laughs) I got lost. You got lost. In lockdown. In lockdown? Lockdown In my bedroom. So you got lost in lockdown in your bedroom. Yep. How does that go? I don't really understand how that could happen. Well, it's easy. The lights were out. Mm. It was dark. And I was under my doona and I didn't know where I was. Oh, no. That's really scary. What do you do when you get lost, Lionel? I do this. Mum! That's probably a good, good, good start. Did that help this time? No. No? I had to do it again. Mum! (laughs) And then what happened? Did she come in? No. Oh. Where was your mum? Sleeping. Oh, Oh, no. Yep. So what did you do when mum didn't come to save you? I said, mum! (laughs) Then she came. Oh, good. Third time's the charm, hey? I don't know, but it worked. (laughs) (laughs) And what did she say when you got lost? Did she come in and say anything to you? What are you doing? (laughs) I said, I'm lost. She said, no, you're not. I found you. I went, oh. Well, that's good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it wasn't so bad. Not so bad after all. So did anything good happen or is it just the getting lost part? Well, I got to have a nice warm glass of milk. Oh, that's good. So you were found and then you had a warm glass of milk. Yeah. Right. Brayden, have you ever gotten lost before? (laughs) Oh, plenty, plenty of times. I'm just trying to think. In your bedroom? Oh, all the time. It's it's very confusing, especially when the lights are out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What about, um, (laughs) sorry. Where else? (laughs) Kitchen? Yeah, the kitchen's tricky as well. Um, Mm. But, you know, getting lost is a bit scary, but I feel like it's really good when you get found. And I think there's someone else uh, who finds people. (laughs) Ivy! Does Ivy find people? (laughs) Well, Ivy's pretty good at sniffing, I heard. Yeah, I don't think she's a rescue dog, though. No. No. (laughs) <laughs> She's cute though She is very cute <laughs> what, what do you think might be a good way to <laughs> To get found when you're lost, Lionel? Can you think of anything like that? What do you use when you get lost? I said I yell for my oh, mum You just yell Isn't yep. there something else you could use? What do people use when they get lost? Mm. Mm. What do people use to know where they're going? Google Maps. Ah, yeah, that's right. Google Maps is great, especially when you don't know where you're going. Yep. <laughs> and what about um, what's another type of map that we can use? Do you can you think of anything else, Lionel? Mm. The stars. The stars. The stars. Wow. Because what do maps do? They give us directions, don't they? Yep. They tell us where to go. Yep. What else tells us? Does is there anything else you can think of, Lionel, that tells us? Where to go or how to do things or 
Oh, I see where you're going. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Do you have a map, Lionel? Is that why? Jesus gives us a map in the Bible. That's right. He does. What kind of map, Lionel? A good one. A good one? A good one. Not a bad one. No, (laughs) not a bad one. Well, I think we're about to learn all about how Jesus gives us directions and shows us where to go. Oh, isn't he? So right, Ivy. Yeah, Ivy's very excited too. So I think Anthony's going to read the Bible for us and then Stu's going to come and explain that for us. Has he got green hair like us? I think he does. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> the Bible reading is from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to chapter 5, verse 10. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sin as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honour on himself, but he receives it when called by God just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, You are my son, today I have become your father. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And, once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Hello, welcome back. Uh, it's really cool. I'm rejoined uh, by Gemma, and I am now also joined by Stu. G'day, Ethan. Hello, welcome to uh, Soul Rival Digital on a Saturday. Thank you. Very it's good to be to here. You. You're yep. gonna you're gonna be leading us in a uh, sermon from uh, Hebrews, mm-hmm. uh, which is really exciting. Continuing our series on the fact that Jesus is better. Mm-hmm. Um, but we wanted to chat about something first. Do you want mm. to tell us about what that is? Yeah, well, in the sermon today, we're going to look at uh, Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to look at how Jesus is our great high priest. But I suppose I want to ask the question today is, uh, why do we need a high priest? Like, what is our need of Jesus? And I think that's a really relevant uh, question for our culture today, because I think a lot of people uh, don't think they need Jesus. And that's mm. uh, an impression that I've been getting lately. I'd be keen to hear what you guys think too. Yeah, I think that... Uh, Gemma, what do, you, what do you think about that, actually? Um, yeah, I think it's really interesting um, to think about because I feel like in 
like I guess a, the younger generation, like Gen Z and like younger millennials, I feel like there's just this general, um, I guess, kind of not even caring kind of. Like I feel mm-hmm. like people don't really care or aren't really trying to seek things the same way that mm-hmm. maybe they used to. But I do feel like um, with COVID, I feel like this is the first time our generation has really been shaken to think about things a bit more. Mm, so That's interesting. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see after kind of this second wave of mm. lockdown and everything, how people kind of respond when church goes back to face to face. Yeah, that's really interesting, Gemma. Mm. That's a really good thought. And I think, I think one of the things that one of the things that we're faced with is this rising idea um, of culture being a lot like, oh, you do you. Um, mm. And so it actually, like, I don't really, like the idea that I don't really care about your beliefs, I don't really care about mm. what you're doing because it's, it's your thing. That's great. Go for it. And I'm really, I'm really stoked mm. for you, but I don't, I'm not going to do it. Mm. And I think that uh, it, it's alongside a few other things as well, but that mm. one in particular is really quite obvious in mm. especially young people. Yeah, um, in the Shock Absorber uh, podcast that we do each week, uh, which is all about um, into, uh, having, having young people and older people working together in the church for discipleship and mission and helping uh, to be a team to get the message of the gospel out into our community. Um, last week we talked in the Shock, Shock Absorber about an article that came out by Chris Curtis from England who's talking about in the English church, they're talking about wanting to identify that their biggest problem at the moment is that they don't have many young people in their churches and that they've got a really big problem with uh, contact, curiosity and credibility amongst young people in England. And I think that's a really interesting article because I think even though Australia is different to England in many ways, I think we've got a similar problem with young people in our churches too. And I think it's relating to the sermon that we have today because here in Hebrews 4, we're looking at why we need Jesus. Like what what is Jesus doing as our great high priest? And I would posit a guess that most young people don't think they're in need of a priest at all. Mm. Uh, that's what I, I, I've been thinking. What do you guys reckon? Yeah, I think that that, that idea of the, Curtis, Chris, Chris yeah. Curtis, he raises that idea. Those that He says the, the three challenges for engaging Gen Z mm. are contact, credibility and curiosity. And like you were saying, and I think that curiosity thing was something that Gemma and I were really touching on. Mm. Um, the article says... Uh, Uh, That brings us to curiosity, uh, by which I mean a lack of uh, when it comes to Christian faith. How do you do do apologetics uh, to a generation that isn't asking any questions? Mm. And I think that's a really poignant and really true uh, thing of this this generation. It's a lot of that that you do you is is one of the reasons for Mm. that. Um, But I think there's a bunch of other reasons for that as well. Did you, what else, did you get anything else out of the article, Gemma? Yeah, I think it's really interesting um, just kind of reading the... There's like a little section where it talks about how um, like in the 80s or whatever, like you could just walk around and there'd be teenagers at the skate park or at the beach or like I feel like teenagers were more accessible in the public um, and you could just kind of go up and invite them to things. But that doesn't really happen anymore. People are quite isolated with technology and it's really hard to reach people on social media and... Um, on technology because you have so much choice like people if they're not curious or interested in things that are on the internet that we post or whatever or that Christians post they Mm. just keep scrolling along Mm. and look for Mm. the thing that they are interested in Mm. and you have these social media platforms um, like I just think TikTok is such a big thing for uh, teenagers now that app gets to know you and knows what you like so you're not even exposed Mm. to 
these types of um, content that might challenge or mm. um, open up doors for people to kind of mm. see Jesus. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think what I want to talk about too in the context of this is that uh, the other issue that's raised in the article is credibility and not only are pe- young people hard to contact and they don't have much curiosity in the faith, that when they do hear about the church, it's often in negative ways. And so mm. when they hear the word priest, they think of the Royal Commission and how so many priests have harmed young people that they've seen on TV because a lot of the TV uh, will be talking about those sorts of issues. And so, yeah, I think to say that Jesus is a great high priest is not necessarily that attractive to young people. Mm. And so what I want to talk about today is like, what is our response? Uh, Some Christians are trying to make Jesus more attractive and more culturally relevant. But what we see in the passage today is that if we actually reveal Jesus as he reveals himself to us, then young people can see their need of Jesus because of how he presents uh, their, their need And I think that's a really key thing that what we're going to talk about today is bringing people back to Jesus and helping them to hear his words. Well, on that note, would you be able to take it away? Mm. Yeah, very much so. Thanks, Ips. Yeah, so um, I thought I might uh, just pray before we begin uh, tonight's talk. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for Hebrews. We thank you for the opportunity we have to understand our need of you and our need of Jesus. Help us, Lord God, uh, to be able to continue to communicate um, the wonderful, wonderful reality that Jesus has come to be our saviour and that he is our great high priest in that he's done everything necessary for us to have salvation, to be right with you and have a new life. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that as we reflect on what Jesus has done for us, that might actually help us to love others and live our lives to your glory. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we begin today, before we jump straight into Hebrews chapter 4, I wanted to actually go back to Luke chapter 7 and revisit a story that Jesus told about a lady who crashed a dinner party that he was in. He was attending a dinner party at the house of a Pharisee. And the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the time and the religious leaders of the time were really interested in respect and they wanted people to think well of them. And this Pharisee has asked Jesus to come along and Jesus and the Pharisees are reclining at the table. In those days, they didn't used to sit around the table like we do with chairs and knives and forks and napkins. They used to lie down at the table. The tables were on the ground and they used to lie on pillows. So reclining at the table is the the picture we get is the Pharisees and Jesus and the other guests are all sitting around a table and they're reclining with the the head to the table with their feet uh, away from the table. And what we get in chapter 7 verse 36 is this wonderful description of a party crasher a woman comes in who wasn't invited and not only was she not invited but she's actually not a woman that would have ever got an invitation by a pharisee to one of his parties because she was considered a sinful woman we read in verse 37 well this sinful woman comes in this woman who has a bad reputation and she comes into the party and she sees jesus eating at the Pharisee's house. So she comes in and she brings with her into the room an alabaster jar full of perfume. Now, this would have been an incredibly expensive item. And in verse 38, we get this incredible detail of what happens next. In verse 38, she stood behind Jesus at his feet and she begins to weep. Now, the word weeping there is actually giving us the impression she's not only just having a little tear coming down, but she is, she is crying. I love the old-fashioned Australian word for weeping, which is bawling. She's bawling her eyes out, as the old Australian saying goes. And she began to wet his 
feet with her tears. That's how much she's crying. So she's crying so much that her tears are rolling down her cheeks and they're falling on Jesus' feet. And then when she sees that the tears are going onto Jesus' feet, she kneels down beside his feet and wipes his feet with her hair and she kisses his feet. And not only is she wiping his feet and kissing his feet, then she takes this expensive jar of perfume and she pours it all over Jesus' feet. The Pharisees are absolutely horrified. Like Jesus is there, this woman has come in and invaded their space and now she's invading Jesus' personal space and she's showing this extroverted show of emotion which is just not on in their culture. What on earth is going on? And not only that, this woman is considered a sinful woman. So in other words, there's an association with her that she is an unsafe person and that you wouldn't want to be associated with her and yet here is Jesus lying motionless as this woman is crying and wiping his feet with her hair and this is what the Pharisees say in verse 39 if this man Jesus were a prophet he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is that she is a sinner well Jesus knows what they're thinking and she he turns to the host Simon the Pharisee and Jesus says this to him he says Simon I have something to let you know Tell me, teacher, he said. Well, two people owned money to a certain moneylender. One owned 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? I love how Jesus does this. He's so, so clever. Simon in verse 43 has a think about it and he replies i suppose the one who had the bigger debt to be forgiven would love him more jesus says you have judged correctly then he turns to the woman in verse 44 and instead of speaking to simon he speaks to her he says do you see this woman i came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet in other words, you gave me no way of washing my feet. So that actually makes her sacrifice even more amazing because she's actually drying his hair, uh, her, sorry, his feet with her hair when they're dirty feet too. See, the, the Pharisees hadn't even given him any water for his feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Verse 40, 45, you did not give me a kiss when I came in. But this woman, from the time I've entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever, and this is the words I really want us to focus on here as we begin, but whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves who is this even who says that he can forgive sins and jesus said to the woman your faith has saved you go in peace now this is a much cherished story amongst the christian church so many christians have taken encouragement from this over so many years because what jesus is saying here to this woman is while these men in this room who call themselves religious leaders do not think you are worthy to even ask you into their house you are forgiven i am forgiving you i love you and i can see that in return for the forgiveness that you are loving uh, me back what you see here is this woman has a great debt she knows that she's a sinner she knows that she's fallen short of the glory of god these pharisees they think they've earned their right to be 
in the presence of God. They think that they have every right because of their good deeds, because of their acts of righteousness in their own eyes. They think they've earned their salvation, whereas this woman knows she has nothing offer other than her te- nothing to offer Jesus. Excuse me, other than her tears. And so Jesus says, you're forgiven much. It's interesting when Jesus uses the analogy here in verse 41, when he says that one, uh, when he's talking about the moneylender and those who owed the moneylender, he's saying that one was owed 500 denarii and the other 50. A denarii is about a day's wage. So here he's contrasting the Pharisees who have been forgiven little in their mind. They've got not a lot to be forgiven because they're so good. They're like 50 days work. Whereas this woman... No, she's been forgiven 500 days' work. And so she feels so much love. See, Jesus says these words that echo through the ages. Your sins are forgiven. But see, if you don't think you have any sins to be forgiven, you don't have a need of Jesus. And if Jesus says, I forgive you, then you don't think that's a big deal. And unfortunately, in our culture today, there's many people who do not think that there is such a thing as sin and that their sin is not a problem and that they don't need to be forgiven for much. So the problem that we have as uh, Christians is to help people to understand that we have a need, that we are all sinners and we need a saviour. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. And if we understand how much we have been forgiven, then we will love Jesus so much. And I think that this is a really beautiful story because not only has this woman... Um, been forgiven Jesus has forgiven her publicly isn't it wonderful that Jesus has had this interaction with her and given her forgiveness of her sins and she has responded with so much love in front of this unbelieving group and I think that gives us encouragement today that even though we're surrounded by many unbelieving people who don't think sin's a big deal it's really important that we continue to teach this message see we really do need someone who can forgive sins The problem that the guests at the party had was who is Jesus that he thinks he has the right to forgive sins and that's the answer of Hebrews chapter 4. Let's have a look at Hebrews chapter 4 and see who Jesus is. See in Hebrews chapter 4 we get presented with Jesus as the high priest. As I said earlier people don't want to even think about priests these days because priests have a bad reputation but what we find here is that Jesus is unlike any human leader. Human priests fall short of the glory of God too. Human priests fail as well. But this high priest does not fail. And here is the relevance for this generation, that in in the presence of so many leaders who fail us, we have a leader who doesn't. In the presence of so many leaders who tell us they have solutions to problems but then are not able to deliver the solution, we have a high priest in Jesus Christ who promises a solution and delivers the solution. Let's have a look at the story in Hebrews chapter 4 to understand this a bit more as we see from verses 1 to 13. In the first section here in verses 1 to 13, what we're going to be presented with is the people of Israel. Who are the people of God? And we're going to see how the the writer to the Hebrews sees the people of Israel. When they promise... uh, When they promise to follow God, they fall short. And the writer of the Hebrews here calls them a disobedient people. He says that the problem with them there in verse 1 is that they have forgotten who God is. 
They have forgotten how great their God is and they have forgotten to put their faith and dare I say in verse 1, they have forgotten to fear him. You see, God is other. He is all-powerful. God is all-powerful and he is holy and in him there is no sin. And he has made us to have a relationship with him, but right from the very beginning in Genesis, we read that the first two human beings rejected his leadership of their life and that was called sin. The rejection of God's kingship over their life was called sin. And because of their sin, their sin got passed down through every generation. Yet even though they sinned, God had a rescue mission that he purposed would be fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the Old Testament, we see how the salvation story of Jesus starts to take shape. What God does to start off with is he calls Abraham. And Abraham is meant to be the father of the people of God, Israel. And from the people of God, Israel, comes Jesus. But what we get with Jesus and Israel is a contrast. Because unlike Jesus, who we're going to see today from the passage is sinless, unlike us, because he is fully God and fully man, the people of Israel disobey God and they forget to fear him. They don't think it's a big deal to break his commandments. In uh, Job chapter 28, 28, we see this. um, Fear the Lord, that is wisdom, and to shun evil, that is understanding. So fear the Lord is wisdom, and shunning evil is understanding. The idea is that the people of Israel have been presented with God and shown his character through the Ten Commandments that Moses delivered to them after he received it on Mount Sinai. And when he revealed the character of God, the people of Israel were meant to see that and realize that they could not live up to that character of God. But in his grace, there is a promise of helping the people of Israel to first of all understand their sin And second of all, to know there's a solution to that right from the very beginning. The solution is to trust in the promises of God. And you can see that there in verse 1 of chapter 4. But the people of Israel did not promise uh, trust in the promises of God. See, the promises of God there in chapter 4 verse 1 is the rest that is promised. That all those who fear God and trust in his solution to our problem, which is sin, can be rescued by him and brought into his rest. Yet, the people of the first generation, despite the fact that they had the word of God, despite the fact that they had the promises of God, that they understood that to trust in him would bring them rest, just as trusting in him brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery, into freedom, they wandered the wilderness for a whole generation because they refused to trust in him and they broke his commands. It's really interesting that right through the whole of the wilderness experience of the people of Israel, God was in the presence of them. He instructed Moses to build a tent, a tabernacle, a tent of meeting, and he um, gave uh, Moses the instruction to take Aaron as the first high priest of Israel to offer sacrifices for the people. Now, the idea is that the people of Israel who were carrying the tent of meeting around in the desert with them, when they would make camp, they would set that tent up in the middle of their camp. And in the middle of this tent of meeting was the Holy of Holies, where only Moses could go into that area. And outside that was the place of sacrifice, where Aaron would make sacrifices for the people. Now, what's the deal with this tent of meeting and the sacrifices? Why did the people need a high priest? Well, it's because they failed to live up to the Ten Commandments. They were unable to achieve God's character and his standard. And as a result... God was showing them that he is angry with sin 
and that he's angry at uh, sin that hurts others and hurts ourselves. And we are presented with this quite confronting um, idea here that the people of God who've been loved by God and brought into being by God through the miraculous calling of Abraham and the miraculous birth of his son um, were then uh, pulled out of Egypt despite the fact that they were in slavery through miraculous means and God is present with them in the middle of their uh, gathering but that still does not mean that they they are able to live a sinless life. And so what the sacrifices are is a means of grace so that Aaron will, will actually sacrifice first for his own sins and then on the Day of Atonement, he will sacrifice for the whole community of God's people. Now, interestingly, we don't have time to go into it today, but interestingly, despite the fact that the people of Israel fail, when they do have these sacrificial moments where they're sacrificing an animal and killing an animal and shedding blood of an animal as payment for their sins, as per God's instruction to them in Deuteronomy and in Leviticus, those moments are moments of great joy. And we see in the Old Testament time and time again that when the people of Israel sacrifice, they have celebrations afterwards. In fact, the whole Feast of Tabernacles takes place year after year as the people of Israel continue to celebrate the fact that even though they are sinners, they can be forgiven because of those sacrifices. And the sacrifices are made by the high priest. So here when it says in verse 1 again in chapter 4 that they fall short, they experience the miracles of God but they still fall short and they continue to because there is a problem in the human condition. And this is really relevant for our generation too because we seem to think in our generation that through really good education, through really good structures, through really good communications, we can actually create societies that get better and better and better and become perfect. But the sad reality is no matter how hard we try as human beings to create perfect societies, we will always fail. And there will never be a utopian dream of the perfect human society. No matter how we feel like we progress as human beings, we can't overcome the biggest problem we have, which is our individual personal sin that we all hold. Now, here's where Jesus comes in. Because the message that is spoken, the message that was heard long ago, chapter 4, verse 2 mentions it, is about faith. The word here used in chapter 4 verse 2 is the word pistos, which means believing in the promises of God. So faith is pistos, which is believing in the promises of God. Now remember when, the God was, when God was speaking to the people of Israel in the wilderness, he kept promising them that they would one day come into their rest. Not that generation because of their sin, but the people of God would come into the land of Canaan and that would be given that land as a place of rest. And so there's this concept of promise of rest that comes into the story of salvation that the writer here in Hebrews picks up on. Now, in verse 6 of chapter 4, we read that, the again, that the Israelites were disobedient. And the interesting thing is that despite the fact that the people of God were disobedient, God does not revoke his promise of rest despite their disobedience. So there's this amazing power of God that he is able to fulfill his promises even though we fail. Despite the fact that God did raise up good leaders in Israel, people like Joshua, who, who led the people of Israel after Moses, there is this sense that human beings continue to forget and they continue to go back to their old human ways of thinking. But yet here in chapter 4 verse 9, there is the promise of the Sabbath. 
the Greek word Sabbath stresses not only a sense of rest, but celebratory rest. So when the word Sabbath was used, people would not just hear rest, they would hear celebratory rest. I'm again reminded of the people of Israel in the Old Testament. When they've had their sins forgiven, they realized that they'd been loved much by God and forgiven much, and so they celebrated with the Festival of the Tabernacles. Here in the rest that's being promised to all people through Jesus, we are getting a sense of celebration that comes through and excitement. And that's really important as we consider why we need Jesus. Remember, Jesus himself said, I have come to give you life and life to the full. The lady in chapter 7 of Luke was realizing that she had something that was stopping her from living a full celebratory life. And it was actually not problems caused to her by other people, but it was her own sin that was stopping her enjoying that life. She knew she needed Jesus because she understood that Jesus was the author and the sustainer of life and that somehow he would be able to forgive her sins, even though at that time in the story she had not yet seen how. Isn't that interesting? She did not yet know that it was that Jesus was going to go to the cross and die on the cross for her sin in her place so that she could be forgiven because of his sacrifice. Unlike the sacrifices of the people of Israel who sacrificed animals and needed to do that once a year, Jesus was going to offer himself fully as once and for all, the perfect sacrifice for sin. And the reason he could do that was because unlike other priests, he had not sinned himself. Aaron needed to give sacrifices for his sins before he was forgiven and then sacrifice on behalf of the people. But Jesus had not sinned. And so he goes to the cross as our high priest offering a sacrifice of himself for our sins. Now, if that woman who was at that party could trust in that love for her and understand that wonderful forgiveness, how much more can we understand it in our generation? Rather than us having difficulty contacting people and credibility issues and and curiosity issues with young people, we can actually point people to the cross of Jesus and say to people, do you know how much you are loved? God loves you so much that he's willing to take your place and die in your place for all the things that you've done wrong. It's so important that as we seek to talk to people in our generation, we need to hold on to this beautiful gospel message. And so we continue to read on that it's the word of God that's actually going to convict us and other people in our society of the truth of these things. We need to rely on the authority of God's word to be effective in helping people to understand, even if in human ways it looks like people don't have any contact with us or we don't have any credibility with them and they don't seem curious. We shouldn't be seeking to try and make the gospel more relevant to people to try and get them to listen. We need to continue to trust in the power of the word of God to help people to understand. You see, in God's word, in verse 12, it says this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit and joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered, laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now here's the interesting twist. Rather than us trying to have an apologetic for young people who don't listen to our message, 
by the way, and apologetic if you don't know what that means, is to try and work out ways to explain the Bible to people who don't care. How, in, in other words, how to reframe it from their point of view, how to help them to understand it from their world. Do we use TikTok? Do we actually um, do new ways of... Now, now, there's nothing wrong with trying new ways of sharing the gospel with people, but the really interesting twist here in God's Word is that the writer of Hebrews is saying that the way to someone's heart is not through an apologetic. It's not through trying to reframe the gospel into something they will find palatable or understandable. It is by simply being true to the message and sharing it because the word of God itself that we have in the Bible is alive and active. Oh, that is such an encouragement to me today because I know so many of my um, unbelieving friends and family that I desperately want to know Jesus. Some of them are young, some of them are old, yet all of them seem to be so hard-hearted, so disobedient, just like the people of Israel in earlier in chapter 4. They've hardened their hearts and they're disobedient to God and they don't listen. Yet, by hearing the word of God, which is sharper than a double-edged sword, the message of the gospel can penetrate into the very heart of a person still today, dividing soul and spirit and joint and marrow. It judges our thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. See, that's a work of the Holy Spirit. Rather than just thinking humanly, trying to retranslate the message of the gospel into a new generation, we should be praying for our new generation that the Holy Spirit will soften their hearts, that as they hear the word of God, they'll be convicted by the Spirit. The only way someone can turn to Jesus and understand they need him as their high priest is by Jesus' Holy Spirit convicting them of the need. And that's why the writer here is saying that this is not only something that needs to be said to the generation that first read this, but it's needed in every generation. And no matter how our generations change, no matter whether people are coming to church or not, we all need the Word of God that is alive and active and actually helping us to understand who we are and who we are in comparison to Almighty God. And so when we hear that Jesus is a great high priest who offers himself as a sacrifice in verse 14... We read this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. See, whether we're popular or unpopular, let's hold to the gospel message that sin is the thing that divides all human beings from God, that our sin makes God angry, and he himself has given us a solution. He has given his son Jesus and Jesus is not a victim of the Romans who nailed him to a cross. He went to the cross willful, willingly so that he could actually die in our place. See, he is a high priest who actually is also our sacrifice. He is fully in control, the great high priest who has the great sacrifice that can actually help us to be one with God once and for all. But having said that, it's beautiful in verse 15 that we read this. For we do have a high priest who is able to empathize with our weakness. Sorry, I'll say that again. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So let's approach the th God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find help for us in our time of need. The encouraging thing about this message is that God understands our weakness. 
we can so often be like the Pharisees and stand in judgment of other people, can't we? Oh, those people over there, they're sinners. They're not as good and as righteous as I am because of my good deeds, because of my good works. We can be like that. God understands when we're like that because Jesus, as fully God, lived amongst people who were like that. And he was tempted to be like that too. When he was lying at the table with those Pharisees, there would have been a temptation on Jesus, who was fully human as well, just like us, to join in with the Pharisees so that he wasn't left out and condemn the sinful woman. So that he would actually be seen as a good and righteous people amongst the Pharisees, he could have actually turned to her and said, what are you doing touching my feet? Get away from me. Who do you think I am? But Jesus, though tempted in every way like we are, he did not sin. We are so easily Pharisees. We're so easily wanting to try and ignore the sin in our life and try and project out people's attention on the sin in other people. I mean, things like Facebook are perfect examples of this. How many times do you read posts on Facebook where people are virtue signaling, saying, look how righteous I am and look how unrighteous those people over there are. If only people were like me, then the world would be a great place. It's so Pharisaic. And I am tempted to virtue signal too. I'm tempted to try and get the praise of other people. But Jesus didn't look for the praise of those Pharisees. What he cared about was that woman loved him. She needed forgiveness and he was ready to give it to her in abundance. He didn't give her a little bit of forgiveness. He didn't say, oh, how about we just go outside and I'll talk with you. In front of everybody in that party, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And when he was challenged about that, he didn't stop there because he then turned to the Pharisees and said, do you know the difference between you and this woman? It's not that you're righteous and she's a sinner. Actually, you're all sinners. What it is is you don't think you have much to be forgiven. She knows she has a lot to be forgiven. We need to be really careful that we don't minimize sin in our generation and in our own lives. Because the result of it is we won't love God very much if we minimize how much we've been forgiven. We need a high priest who can deal with the most significant, most important and most devastating problem that the human race has. We don't want a leader who just goes around the edges and fixes things up a little bit. We want a leader who goes to the heart of the matter like a double-edged sword and deals with our sin once and for all with one sacrifice that pays for all our wrongdoing, all in one event on the cross. And just as he rose from the dead, so we will too. And just as he is seated at the right hand of God right now, as is described in verse 14, so we will enter into that rest too, if we are part of the people of God. Because of our faith, we've believed the promises of God. That's all we have to do. We don't need to do anything else other than believe in the promises that Jesus has done everything needed for us to go to heaven. And that's why in verse 16 we can approach the throne of God with grace and confidence. Not because we're a Pharisee and we think we're worthy of standing before the throne of God, but because we know we're a sinner. And all we can do is stand there and cry and let our tears drop in the same way as that woman at that party that night. I hope you've been encouraged with that message today because if you have, I'd love for you to think about sharing it. I'd love for you to share how Jesus means a lot to you with someone else because rather than an apologetic, that's what people in our generation need. 
if we think young people aren't interested, if people my age aren't interested in Jesus, maybe I need to explain to them why I am interested. And if we can actually have the confidence to share with others how much we love Jesus and how thankful we are that he died for us and rose from the dead, it may spike the curiosity of someone. The fact that we love Jesus might actually increase the credibility of the gospel message for people. And that's where we get the contact that helps people to listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to them through the word of God so that they too might consider making Jesus their great high priest. One way. Thanks, Stu. That was really, really encouraging. Got heaps out of that. I was actually um, going into the sermon. I was really not confused, but I was reading the passage and I'm like, I don't know how he's going to do this because he opened it talking about the fact that we're going to be chatting about how Jesus is a high priest. But then he, but I'm like, half of this chapter is about rest. And I'm like, I don't understand how that's going to work. And it was actually really beautiful to get from that, that rest, our, our, our real rest comes from Jesus's sacrifice mm. as the high priest. Mm. And so it actually is a really beautiful mm. uh, working together of, mm. of these ideas in this, in this passage. And uh, thank you so much for mm. drawing that out so clearly. Uh, I was really, really encouraged. Um, in particular, I really loved that uh, we got to focus on and we got to look at the idea that, um, oh, I don't, I, was it a word? I don't know if it was a word you chose, but you said that um, often uh, sacrifices were actually moments of great joy uh, mm. for the Jews mm. and, and rest often mm. was celebratory rest. And so in mm. both of those things, you talk about the fact mm. that there is joy and there's excitement. Yeah, there is. Yeah, and so yeah. when we talk about, oh, like we sin and mm. Jesus is like mm. died and that's a bummer, but actually it's not. It's a, mm. it's a real celebration yeah, it is. of the fact that, like, like you were saying, we get so pumped on it mm. that we weep. Mm. Like it's That's actually, right. it's, it's, it's an outpouring of, of yep. emotion. Well, it's funny in the Olympics, isn't it? Seeing people who win a gold medal, so many of them cry oh, and they're really? so happy they're crying. And some yeah. of them are wiping tears out of it. Some of them, their tears are dripping down on their shirts and stuff like mm -hmm. that because they see how valuable that gold medal is. I mean, in itself, it's just a gold medal that hangs around their neck, but they know they've just spent the last maybe 10 years of their life for this moment. Mm -hmm. And when you realize that Jesus has spent the whole of eternity for the moment to save you, that he's, he's actually been working to your salvation for the whole of history and he's done everything. You know, it's just awesome. It's mind-blowing. Yeah, I get real excited about that. So exciting. Um, I have a question for you, Gemma. Um, one of the things, we were, one of the things uh, Stu brought up was the fact that uh, the the word of God is alive and active, mm. uh, which is and sharper than a double-edged sword. And um, you're talking about being true to the message. Mm. Uh, and I was want to ask Gemma, uh, how do you reckon we can be true to the message of the, the gospel when we're stuck in the way we are in our homes or in our like locations? We can't exactly necessarily go out and um, be true to the message by telling people. But is there other ways to um, other ways to do that that you can think of? Yeah, I've, been, I've actually been having a think about this um, with lockdown. We can't really do church as mm. a community and it's mm. really hard to kind of bounce off ideas from each other. And I think a lot of evangelism and reaching out to people is a like a communal thing that we do and we bounce mm. off each other. Um, so I've been really thinking about how do we do this in lockdown. And um, I think it's hard because I think it really comes down to the person's confidence. But I think after this, mm. I've been really challenged to be a bit more bold because I think we can get a bit complacent and just mm. kind of go, 
oh, people will just kind of find it in their own terms or maybe if I just like chuck in like a little I'm praying for you or a little, mm. oh, here's a Bible verse on my Instagram mm. or whatever. Like I feel mm. like we can get a bit like, oh, that's what we do. Mm. But I can't think of the last time I've really like reached out to someone and had a conversation. Mm. And mm. I think um, even in the way that we're kind of stuck at the moment, even just taking little opportunities like flicking someone a message and just being super intentional or if you're walking with someone, just like having a chat and being like, how are you going with your mm. time with God? Because it's not even just people who aren't Christian, it's mm. people who are Christian too. Like this mm. is a hard, yeah. hard time yeah. to um, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Mm. And I think um, checking in and having more intentional conversations would be where mm. I'd kind of mm. go with that. Especially since we're stuck at, at one-on-one. Yeah, like mm. it's, you're actually you're actually forced to have more yeah, intimate pr- people conversations. People are craving the one-on-one conversations. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. A couple of things I'd jump off that too, Gemma. That's really got me thinking because, I mean, it's never been easier to share the Bible with someone actually because we have version app that you can take a little verse of the day and you can actually share it really easily you could say hey i was thinking of you today i know you're not a christian or you're not a person of faith but you know i find this really helpful love to hear what you think about it bang or if someone says to you uh how are you going during covid you could say look i'm finding hard like everyone else but i get encouragement from from a verse in the bible actually and by actually sharing the word of god with people you're actually saying it's not about me trying to convert someone it's actually about me just helping people to listen to god and i'm going to share that with people so be encouraged with that and Mm. i think as well um just like on that i think we can get caught up in thinking that it's all our work to Mm. kind of do the converting Mm. or to send a bible verse but it's just like we just do that little thing Mm. and like jesus and the holy Mm. spirit are gonna do the work like that's right we're not the converter like god is the converter so so cool i think like it's really a pride thing Mm. not doing that and not reaching Mm. out to people Mm. or um, trying to encourage people because i think we can get nervous about what will that person think of me Mm. be a bit like like the pharisees like more worried about what other people think yeah Yeah, that's right so i feel like that's also something to think about Mm. cool that's really encouraging that's really good um stuff to think about my my final little thing that i was thinking about was uh thinking about bringing it back to that double or nothing um article we were chatting about at the very start mm. that idea that uh it said the church of england plans to double its number of young people in 10 years um and the way it's going to do that is um try and overcome these challenges mm. overcome contact credibility and curiosity mm. um as we face challenges whether it be those three or whether it be COVID or whether it be whatever um when it comes to or pride when it comes to actually sharing with people Mm. um what do do you have a word of advice or a thought on that um that we could meditate on yeah yeah i'm not minimizing the challenges we have in our generation but i think it's just every generation has this challenge and i think that the word of God is alive and active because the Holy Spirit is speaking through the word of God. The Holy Spirit uh, inspired the writer and then the Holy Spirit is using that inspired word on the heart of the hearer. And we are just called on to be messengers. That's all we ask to do. And Jesus is the great high priest. He does the rest. And I'll, I might finish with just one quick story. And I know it's a long time ago now, but when I was at high school, I remember watching scripture teachers come week after week and just get roasted by the class and not listened to and uh, the state school I went to was a pretty terrifying place for the gospel and when I actually ended up becoming a scripture teacher myself at that high school I remember walking up to the school the first day thinking I'm going to get roasted I'm just going to get hammered 
humanly speaking, I've got nothing. I'm not a particularly good communicator. I'm not particularly cool. I don't know how I'm going to get across to these young people. And as I was walking, I was carrying my Bible in my hand. And I was, I'm, I'm a Gen Xer, so the music I listen to is maybe a bit out of date now. But I was listening to Nirvana at the time. And I remember thinking to myself as I was walking up to the school, Kurt Cobain gets up on stage and he doesn't try and look like anybody else. He's just himself. And he doesn't try and do anything to get people's acclaim. He just does stuff that he thinks is authentic. And as a result, people just seem to, to get that. And so if Kurt Cobain can get up on stage and say whatever he wants... I'm standing here with the word of God and this is what God wants to say. So I might just take confidence in the fact that this is pretty powerful message. This is really strong. I don't have to repackage this in a way that these young people are going to understand. I'm just going to be faithful. I'm just going to go in there and I'm going to read it. And it was just a transformative moment in my life where I realized it's not about me. It's actually about them. And if it's about them and I want to love them, I've got to have the same compassion for them that Jesus had for that sinful woman because he forgave her sin because he loved her and I'm forgiven and I love him heaps, so I need to love others heaps. And so I think I think it's about praying and asking God to help me to love other people who don't know him yet. And, and in the meantime, even if we don't feel bold enough to share our faith, we can pray for other people and we can actually just ask ourselves the question, do I believe I've been forgiven much? Am I right now a forgiven sinner who is just so thankful and so free because I've been forgiven 500 full days of pay by, by the person I owe money to? Is that that's something I'd never pay off? And, and that's the thing. We, we can't be righteous in our own right. And our good works do not earn our salvation. It's just what Jesus did for us, the great high priest. It's so cool to, um, to hear that. Thank you, Stu. Um, I'm really encouraged. Thank you, Gemma. Uh, insightful words from the both of you. I hope I hope you at home uh, are encouraged as much as I am. Uh, and yeah, uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to have a song, uh, and then we'll wrap up. Thanks, guys. Cool. Mm-hmm. Who else commands all the hosts of heaven? could make every king bow down who else can whisper in darkness trembles only a holy God what are the beauty demands such praises what are the splendor outshines the sun what are the majesty
else could rescue me from my failing? Who else would offer his only son? Who else invites me to call him father? Only a holy God. Only a holy God. Come and behold him, the one and the only. Cry out, sing holy, forever a holy God. Come and worship the Hello, everybody. Uh, that was a really encouraging uh, chat with Stu. Um, but I'm now joined again by Jabba and back with Brayden. Hey, Brayden. Hey. Hey. Chemistry. So much chemistry. <laughs> We're built for the stage together. Um, that's it. No, nah, it's the lights. You just, just stage fright. Um, yeah. So w- one of the things we did last week was we chatted about uh, this traffic light system uh, to chat about whether how we're feeling. Um, and the, there was kind of three categories to it. There was uh, green, amber and red uh, to kind of give a, a, a rough idea of how you're feeling and where you're at um, from a, that perspective. A green, uh, was you feeling pretty good? Um, and it's, it's kind of, if you look at it, it's kind of like a zero to 20 ratio thing. So it's like zero to five is green and you're feeling good, but that's where you're at. Um, what was it? No, that's not how it works. It's 15. I can't do maths. Five and then five and then five. 15, Numbers. let's go. And then amber <laughs> is um, you kind of like uh, doing, doing a little better, but you're still not like, it's, it's, not, it's not super bad, but, um, but you're kind of on the in-between. Um, and then red was you're re- actually you're not doing really well. Um, mm-hmm. And what, I, what I'd really encourage you guys to do in the comments right now uh, is to just, uh, using the emoji, uh, just drop how you're feeling. Uh, and feel free to be as as open as you can, actually, because uh, it, what that does is it gives it gives you the ability to share how you're going without having to give all the details. Um, and if someone sees it, uh, or if we see it, we might want to reach out, give you a message, uh, send you some love. Um, I personally, I think I'm a bit of an orange. Um, my I'm, I'm I'm a green mentally, but I'm an orange. Physically, I think I don't know if that's a thing, <laughs> but I'm I'm pretty drained. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm feeling good, but I'm pretty drained. Um, how are you guys? How are you guys going? Uh, yeah, I'd say I'm probably probably had an orange week this week. I think just um, the learning online thing. I think for a lot of people, massive sympathy for all the students and mm. teachers right now who are doing the online thing Monday to Friday. But yeah, it's just a it's a different type of draining. It's a different type of learning and. Um, yeah, I think it 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 weirdly it goes very, the weeks go very quick online. They also go very slow. So, <laughs> so yep. I think it's just been one of those weeks for me, which mm. is which is fine. Yeah. I think um, yeah, ups and downs, but yeah, feeling okay. Happy Thanks, to be here today. Very cool. Jeffa, how you doing? I'm all right. I think yeah, I probably would also say sitting in the the amber mm-hmm. region. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also think um, there's probably little moments of green and mm-hmm. probably red mixed yeah. in that mm. um i think 
yeah, you have some really good days, some not so great days. And sometimes when um, I find if I don't get outside, I'm really just like not yeah. feeling oh, yeah. good. Um, and it just depends kind of what habits I'm kind of applying throughout the day. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, after that, I'm feeling really encouraged after the sermon. And I think um, things like that and going for walks with people and um, hanging out is a really good way to kind of bump up to green and, you know, have mm. a, your spirits lifted for a little while. Yeah, um, totally. But yeah, I also think this is really cool because if you are feeling like, I guess, red, you can also just message people the little, now yeah. that we know what it is, you could just Blink. message someone the emoji like, hey, yeah. red, you yep. need some help. Kind of yeah, thing. and that's all it is. Like, And I think... One of the things we, we, we talk about it being something you chuck in the comments, but it's actually something we'd love to try and use as a church, as a tool, like Gemma was saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're messaging someone else during the week, just text them, text them an emoji. Um, and even if the response, so like I said, Brayden and Orange, and if his response, all his response was, was a red and a pray hands. Like yeah. that's, that's, all the, that's all the interaction needs to be um, mm-hmm. to know that we're praying for each other or it can get as deep as... Uh, as you want so I really encourage you uh, to be praying for each other and to be looking out for each other and, and if this this little tool is hopefully helpful um, I would encourage you to use that um, thank you very much for joining us online it's been fantastic uh, to spend our Saturday evening together um, uh, thank you for joining me Braden. thank you for joining no me Gemma Anytime. it's been excellent to have you uh, bundle of laughs um, <laughs> something that uh, we want to plug because always plug is we have uh, a few podcasts happening at the moment. Uh, the Shock Absorber is in season three, which is really exciting. Uh, check that out. Uh, the latest, uh, not the latest, yeah. One of the recent episodes was actually, we talked about, um, they talked about that Double or Bust article. Uh, so it's definitely worth a listen. It'd be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've also got another chip lunch, uh, another podcast called Chip Lunch. Uh, check that out too. That's heaps of fun. Um, all can be found on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcasts. So check that out. Um, and I think that that's, is that all the things I needed to say? Yeah, I think all so. All the I things. Think, I think we're good. <laughs> um, all the things we needed to plug. It's exciting. Um, for now, uh, we're going to leave you guys with a one way. Thank you so much. One way. Okay.